is now 88.1 and online at kpfa.org. It is 3 o'clock. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is September the 1st, 2015. On this date, September the 1st in the year 1939, Hitler, Adolf Hitler, you remember him, he invaded Poland. Now, back in the day, many people thought it was the beginning of the end. Ah, these days you need a dance card uh, to see what's coming next, the next waltz, the next war, round and round it goes. And where it stops, nobody knows a brave new world that has such people in it. They cut in and they cut out. They... They like killing and liberating and bringing democracy to remote villages where the goats, you know, are up there on the mountainside. They're running loose because <laughs> the guy who takes care of him is afraid to leave his house and his kids. Uh, anyway, uh, back in 1939, my father joined the Navy, so we moved to La Jolla. Now, La Jolla is a hectic, well, it's now, uh, it's a beatific beach town in Southern California, still is. And uh, I just thought it was, what is that, uh, paradise. He was stationed at the San Diego Naval Hospital. Um, now, my World War II was spent on the beaches, Cooking lobster and abalone over a fire. The shore patrol would come by and tell us to put out the fire, you know, just in case the enemy was going to invade. We used to look out, little kids, we were little kids, we used to look out there and see if we could see those submarines. The sailors called them Japs. Now, if you look at the world today, you look at the scores of civil wars, border wars, insurrections, genocides, purges, massacres. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, I I don't know. I, I had promised myself no more venting, no more venting, no more uh, wringing of the hands. Uh, I just... I just can't bear to see the 
the little kids on television, all these refugees with no place to go, they won't let them in. Uh, for those kids, their war is something different. <laughs> no beach parties for them. What they've got is fear and deprivation, lack of anything to keep body and soul together. You know, uh, many of them, many of them, I, I've been reading, there are uh, refugees within their own countries, inside their own borders. Jimmy Carter once told about uh, the refugees. He said that when he left office, there were about nine million, and that we could expect maybe 39 million internally displaced persons by, what did he say, uh, sometime in, <laughs> in the next few years. Anyway, you know, we had something back in the day called a nation state. Uh, ISIS is calling itself a nation state. That startled me. Uh, anyway, the nation states seem to be, if not melting, they're certainly losing their clout. Uh, people ask, who is the enemy? Who's the tyrant here? Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> most of the tyrants are not Hitler. They're maybe just warlords. Uh, the men with guns. One of the things that was promised back in 1939 in a poem by W.H. Auden was a police state, you know. <laughs> now, journalists are just telling us that the police are one more gang out there. I guess so. Then there's the U.N. peacekeepers. Uh, they don't seem to be able to keep the peace uh, or to protect uh, vulnerable civilians. Uh, last I heard was a woman in the Middle East saying, whatever you do, don't send any more guys with guns over here. Don't need them. Actually, uh, she was talking about the war on women. She was talking about the rape culture. It's the sort of thing that makes me just uh, pull the electric blanket up over my head and pretend I didn't hear. That's what Charlotte Bronte said. She said, it's not a good idea to think too much about how difficult women's lives are. My new habit is making lists. I have best of times in one column and worst of times in another. I want to see if things balance out, you know, if things are getting better. And of course, here and there, some things are. Never have the few had it so good. Never have so many rich folks, uh, <laughs> wallowed in so much luxury takes your breath away to see the affluence uh, oligarchs they call them oligarchs even the upper middle class just ordinary rich people you know 
those who have oh, just a million or so, uh, they live in a kind of luxury that recalls the royalty of uh, past times. I mean, I was thinking the other day, I was watching a film about Elizabethans, and I realized that the suffering of the kings and queens was much worse than the suffering we uh, <laughs> we have to deal with today. Uh, just prop us up in front of the TV and give us some uh, dope, you know. Uh, I mean, we've got dentists and painkillers, uh, medical miracles. Uh, oh, and the splendors, the splendors of our new castles. Uh, Oh, architecture, art, the cuisine, the private jet planes. I can't help wondering, is there a group of New Age thinkers, you know, uh, scientists, artists, economists, intellectuals, better retire that word. <laughs> yes, a friend of mine insists she invented the phrase, Pseudo-intellectuals, I don't think that's possible, but the truth is that um, the word has become kind of pretentious. Anyway, you know, they're around these, uh, what do you call that? The enlightened ones, the humanitarians, the wise women and men who are going to somehow get their hands and hearts on the job. Uh, they're going to make social change. The technology uh, is the best weapon, but I don't like to call technology a weapon. Anyway, I think of those of us who always said, well, we're slouching towards socialism, you know, economy. Al Gore used to say we had to alter the relationship of intelligence to money. I don't know what the hell he means. I guess he means we're spending a fortune on the wrong things. <laughs> these these elections, these people running for office. Think, think, if all those millions and billions could go into uh, schools and hospitals, never mind, that's, that's venting. Of course, we want things to be good, uh, better, I guess. The liberal stuff is really getting to be a bore. Uh, I think we have to retire some of the language. Words like socialism have to go. I use the term economic democracy. You know, a worldwide minimum wage. How about that one? Now, uh, there are people, uh, and not just heads of state... There are people who are fully aware that wealth is more than finance, more than cash. Wealth is our resources, you know, the bounty of the earth. Water, land, air, crops, livestock. Uh, oops, another word. That's another word I dislike. Livestock. Uh, won't use that word anymore. <laughs> the animals. The animals are being treated like the sentient beings they are. I love it. Anyway, it's one of the trends. Uh, 
All the gifts of existence on this planet, that's what we need to uh, conserve, conserve, cultivate. Uh, I think it's so hard to explain that uh, resources aren't really money, although certainly money is the symbol, the symbol. I remember when I was a school teacher many, many years ago, when I had the younger kids, sometimes I remember during the period when I was substitute teaching, I used to go in the classroom and I would write two words on the chalkboard, uh, sex and money. And I would ask the kids which one was the most important and they would write a little essay. <laughs> it was pretty funny stuff. Uh, anyway, I just keep thinking that the the smart folks, the clever folks, especially the ones who are working on the human brain, the human genome, you know, there's a new, they've found a gene, you know, that, uh, uh, well, it's the gene that is altered when you suffer trauma and you can pass this gene on to your children very complicated i talk about that some other day because i really should say exactly what it is and i don't understand it but we always knew that you remember when we used to tell people to be careful what they did and said while they were pregnant it isn't that really it's more or less uh what's happening to our world uh this what would you call that this uh gut reaction so many people are having to the carnage around us it's definitely definitely altering our brain cells our central nervous systems uh anyway uh, i'm not sure it's such a good idea to try to save our species just now i i've been thinking lately that uh Maybe there are other species who've got a better handle on these things. I'm for the dolphins, but uh, I heard on the radio that 96 elephants are killed every day. That's nine six every day. It's only about half a million left. Uh, now, mass extinctions are nothing new, no big deal, but... Uh, our species is uh, undergoing what can only be called a population explosion. That's another phrase we were told not to use. I, I could tell you why, but <laughs> uh, I think the, the theory was that the population explosion was going to, uh, what is the word, was going to leave the white, the Euro-Americans, far behind, you know. So we weren't supposed to talk about population explosion. Uh, very difficult to actually talk about these things. I remember when the Chinese tried to limit their population, the fuss, the fuss. Anyway, I've been wincing this week at the mindset that assaults Planned Parenthood. Hey, hey. These guys uh, 
trying to cut off the funding for Planned Parenthood. Uh, oh, decades of attacks on women's health clinics. Now, that's toxic stuff. It's a toxic streak of sadistic cruelty. I guess it's a symptom of the fears, fears of those who feel threatened, the power of women, of woman, to uh, make her own choice. That is a threat. Now, think about it. Uh, <laughs> I heard... I heard some backstage talk at one of the demonstrations, and it came out to, well, he was basically saying, I'm paraphrasing, who does she think she is? God? Never mind. Once again, no venting, no ranting. If you care about the issue of women's liberty... Check out a documentary on HBO. It scared me. Title is 12th and Delaware. It's been on uh, the list, on the on-demand list for quite a while. It's a documentary. Uh, it's all about some folks in Florida on the corner of 12th and Delaware. Now, Florida, where else would one uh, find this appalling Scene. Uh, there's a woman's health clinic there established in 1991. Eight years later, across the street in 1999, a group of anti-abortion activists set up shop. They, they looked at the scene and said, location, location, location. Now, I'm not going to describe the assault at these these uh, people made on the women's health clinic. Uh, it's too sinister. The ignorance and arrogance of these sorry souls is more than I can take. The older woman there, she came running across the street yelling, where's my doll? She has these little fetuses, you know, all the early stages of development, the embryo and so forth. And she carries them in a little basket, you know, a little basket. Uh, there was one scene that I, I had to leave the room. They showed you teenage boys. That's boys. Uh, they were looking at, they were being shown ultrasound images. Now, uh, no more about that. No more about that. Uh, this thing is on HBO. It's a documentary about the disastrous war on women. It's titled 12th and Delaware. God bless freedom of expression. Ah, America. Yep. Better to talk about a uh, recent HBO production of a grassroots political issue. Uh, this is the best drama I've seen in years. It's titled Show Me a Hero. Now, uh, the subject <laughs> is kind of boring for a lot of people. It's grassroots politics, right? 
Now, that's hard to dramatize. That's, uh, you know, the uh, process of change from the ground up. Uh, there have been a few others, but I'll stick with, uh, I'll stick with Show Me a Hero. It's six hours long. Now, the phrase, uh, of course, comes from F. Scott Fitzgerald. His line, his famous line was, Show me a, tra- a hero, show me a hero, and I will write you a tragedy. Uh, in the, in the show, there's a, a funny moment when a journalist, he, he assumes that a colleague of his will recognize that quote. And, uh, I guess times have changed. My parents used that quote. Maybe it's a generational thing. Uh, gosh, you know, uh, some of us still remember Shakespeare's best lines. I noticed that in the movies these days, the screenwriters hedge their bets. They sort of suggest that quotations are pretentious. There's a movie called Philomena with Judy Dinch. There's a hilarious moment when a, a writer, a journalist, he, he quotes T.S. Eliot, the Judy Dinch character, she's a an Irish woman, uh, <laughs> a very down-to-earth woman. Uh, she compliments the writer on the lines he uses. You know, they were the lines about returning to the place where you started and knowing it for the first time, you know. Anyway, he says, no, no, that's not his own. It's T.S. Eliot. <laughs> she shrugs and says, oh, well, it's very nice all the same. Anyway, Show Me a Hero illustrates the anguish, the anguish of a young politician. Uh, He's the youngest mayor in America back in the 1980s. He's elected by the people of Yonkers. This is a true story, by the way. At 28, oh no, before he's 28, he becomes the reluctant hero. Yes. He's in the midst of a housing crisis. There's every contradiction you can imagine in this show. Uh, the villain is played by Alfred Molina, incredible actor. One of the producers is quoted somewhere saying that we should say we should just give Fred his own show. Just watch him. It's an amazing performance. He'll get a Emmy for supporting actor. Winona Ryder makes an appearance. She is another one of the bureaucrats, the local political. It's a bit of a shock to see this glamour girl as a middle-aged bureaucratic type. Uh, There was a thread in the story that didn't quite work out. I mean, the writer dropped a few stitches, but the truth is when you you try to turn... uh, a true story, a document, a documented plot, yes, and make it seem like a drama, you know, with a beginning and a middle and an end. It's hard to make everything fit. Also, there's a lot of information that still 
still hasn't been revealed. Uh, the motives were clear enough. The characters may not have been consistent, but they were certainly vivid. I don't want to be a spoiler, but the the roles of the tenants were awesome. It's about uh, housing. It's the, uh, let's see, HUD, Housing and Urban Development, you know. Once in a while, the federal government decides to build a few houses, folks. Uh, the producers showed pictures of the real people, characters, and the actors were chosen to play them. They put them on a split screen, and it was serendipity. Just amazing how these actors managed to, uh, what is that, uh, transmogrify themselves. Anyway, the plot involves the efforts of the Yonkers City Council and the mayor to build 200 units of public housing. Now, that's a drop in the bucket in Yonkers. Uh, a lottery is used to select the new tenants. Uh, oh, there's some people who have disabilities that are allowed in. Let's see. Most of these tenants will be African Americans and or Latinas, and most are women. Uh, we first meet them in the projects. The action involves the white community's anger and resentment. These people are seen as intruders. There's one character, a white woman, who starts out, opposed, seriously opposed. She says, not racism. No, no, it's just about uh, having our home, our neighborhood. Uh, what is the word? <laughs> uh, turned into uh, uh, a dangerous place. Later on, she faces down some very sour, white, reactionary ladies. Great scene. Uh, anyway, the mayor does what so many politicians do. He takes things personally. He gets on the right side, and then all of a sudden, that doesn't work for him. Never mind. He gets the votes confused with love. I remember Bill Clinton's first loss down in Arkansas. Uh, he went overboard during his first term as governor, and then he lost the second bid for office. He took a step back and changed his priorities. He decided he'd better please most of the people most of the time. In Show Me a Hero, this boyish mayor of Yonkers puts his heart and soul into his task. I love the scenes where he picks his own house with his significant other, uh, she and his mother are behind him all the way. I don't think it gives anything away to say he looks to his father for approval, even though his father has been dead for some years. <laughs> uh, the script, the script, of course, does hang on to the reality, to the facts, uh, the events, the conflicts and the consciousness-raising experiences of both the African-Americans and the Euro-Americans. Uh, 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 it doesn't, what is it, doesn't quite 
show integration, but it does show the beginnings of true understanding. My favorite was a little African-American boy. He gets acquainted with the poodle lady. She has three little white poodles, and they get to be pals. And that's the beginning of something big. Yes, uh, I even learned some things about the ways to ensure that public housing works. I may have time to run that down for you next week. I will be back on the air next Tuesday at this same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. This has been Jennifer Stone. The show is Show Me a Hero, and I will write you a tragedy. Out of Bill Maher says, Richard Dawkins always writes like he's telling you a story, which is why so many of us non-science people understand science better. But when the story is his own life, it's doubly compelling. Richard Dawkins, author of The Selfish Gene and that resounding smash, The God Delusion, will present his autobiography, Brief Candle in the Dark, on Tuesday, October 6th at King Middle School in Berkeley. There's free parking and wheelchair access at this KPFA benefit, which begins at 7.30. Brian Edward Stiekert will host. Tickets available at brownpapertickets.com and supportive bookstores. More info on kpfa.org for that audacious intellectual luminary, Richard Dawkins, October 6th. KPFA in Berkeley, 94.1. KPFB.